I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This book hurt my brain. So the Atlas Complex. (laughs) Before we get into that, do you have a bevy with you? A cup of water. I just got back from that. Looks more like a mm, fun. What about you? I actually got coconut water. Oh, mm-hmm. I and- love coconut water. You looked really disgusted, but um, I don't like the flavor of coconut water. It's like watermelon coconut water, though. Oh, interesting. And it's a little carbonated. It's really good. I'll take your word for it. It's my new fun treat. (laughs) Are you going through something? Always. So what's (sighs) your reason for drinking? Actually, I don't really have one. I'm getting my shit back together, though. I feel like I'm, like, on the ball with everything right now. Like, I started personal training, so... About to be so beautiful, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much the only new thing in my life right now. Nice. Not a lot else is going on. What about you? I just had class from one thirty to seven p.m., so <laughs> that's probably what I drank. Oof, that's quite the day. Yeah, Mondays, not good. Mm. At least it's just, is it just one day that's like that? Yeah, the rest are fine. So can I really complain? No. Will I? Absolutely. (laughs) As you should. Thank you. I love the sport. (laughs) Always here for you. Yeah, I'm trying to think about anything to talk about before we talk about the book but I really can't think of anything no I'm only thinking about the book true okay spoiler free stuff (laughs) (laughs) you have to read (laughs) the acknowledgments (laughs) spoiler free Never, I never read the acknowledgments usually. Um, I've learned to read the prologue and the epilogue. Mm-hmm. I'm a changed person. I don't usually read the acknowledgments. I didn't actually. I think we read the acknowledgments for the last Olivia Blake. Mm. 
It's an eleven. And it was you. You were the one who told me to read the acknowledgments last Ooh. time. Well, I was slipping this time because Sarah had to tell me to read it because I finished the book and was like, "What?" <laughs> and then the acknowledgments help contextualize what you just read more than you'd think it would. Yes. I I guess another spoiler-free thing that I could say up top is that the like for the previous two books there was pretty consistently themes of like philosophy and also like physics and like other science like terminology and concepts thrown into the book a lot. However, it was so much more present in this book where for me, the plot kind of fell away a little bit. Uh, yes. There wasn't a lot of like a storyline I found. I think also like this book is different in comparison to the other ones like we still get everyone's perspectives but like it's scattered whereas I find like the last two books they were more like in the same location kind of like the same scenario from like a different side mm -hmm. um with the exception guess, of Libby obviously yeah and I guess you kind of get that in this book too um but not not as much so I think it was like harder just on that level alone um but then there's also like it's like deep like there's <laughs> levels and I just don't think I have like the consciousness to understand some of them I think I think I could have benefited from a reread of the first two books as well because it took yes. me a really long time to get my footing especially with how much more complex this book was haha <laughs> funny funny haha <laughs> Um, it took me like it was like halfway through the book before I finally was like okay I think I get it and I didn't and then like three quarters of the way through the book I was like okay I still don't get it but I feel like it's getting interesting so for me I hate to say it this book was a bit of a flop <laughs> it also it wasn't it wasn't for me um mm -hmm. I think it was objectively very well written um just not like I like to coast when I read I could I mean, not coast but also you're right I think if we had read the last few books more recently I would have been better prepared to read this because like I forgot about um just like basic plot points so I was like who are these people um and so I think that made it harder than it actually needed to be. And also, I, I will say, like, as much as we do like to coast, quote unquote, while reading, like the the other two books in the Atlas trilogy, they were still like, like difficult reads, but we enjoyed them. This one was just way more difficult than I feel like it had to be when it came to like the concepts I feel like it was almost like, I don't know if this is the right word, but like artsy. Um, like it was 
it was more of like a concept book than like a storybook, if that makes sense. Kind of. I think you just mean there wasn't a lot of plot. <laughs> like, yeah. it wasn't, at no point was it clear to me, like, I had no idea where we were going. I didn't have an idea of, like, options for where we could be going. I didn't really know the characters' um, motivations. I didn't know, like, I yeah. didn't really know anything. The there was a ended. lot of I was going to say the book ended and I was like so <laughs> what's happening there was I don't know like I was still invested to a certain degree because I like having read the first two books I cared very deeply about these characters and I remember I was texting I was texting you Kat and towards the end of the book like things were getting really intense obviously and things were happening and I started crying but I was like still not sure what was happening so I just sent Katrina like confused crying in like quotation marks because I was like I can't find I can't find a gif to like accurately portray the emotions I'm feeling because Like, I'm pretty sure I know what's happening, but I also don't know if I know what's happening. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was. There was a, a lot going on, but it's gen generally the same format of like the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that that stayed um, consistent, but I honestly don't have much else spoiler free to say. Just because. I honestly don't know what happened, so I might spoil it just by accident. <laughs> yeah, I guess do you just have a rating for me? For us? For the listeners? This one's hard. I've thought about it because I do like the characters. And that's swaying me a little bit because I swear a little bit what happened if i took out the actual like n not even characters in this book but if i took out my knowledge of the characters and like my already attachment to them like if the atlas six had started in this like at this style this, of writing yeah maybe like a six and a half I'm honestly, I'm kind of sitting in the same range. I was torn between six and a half and seven. Yeah, like it was. Which is crazy because I think we rated the first one, like first and the second ones, like in the nine, ten range. Yeah, we love those books. Um... But I, I find like this book was complex in in like a different way like you know when we were obviously let down by like the crescent city series because it was like complex but like it made no sense like there was like no the world was not correct nothing mm -hmm. was happening as it should this one it stayed in the world of where like relative to each other everything made sense 
it just mm-hmm. didn't objectively make sense. Yeah. I felt like I don't know. I felt like maybe in like the past books things were like explained a little bit better. Like I feel like Nico was always I guess let's like go into the spoilers. Um but like I feel like Nico and there was like other characters present where it's like they they would be explaining these concepts to each other in in a kind of dumbed down way maybe or like maybe because this book is more focused on like time travel specifically and the like the way that it's able to be accomplished i don't know because like in in this in the last book time travel was a theme but they wanted to get libby back that's why they were time traveling and that's why they were like looking into this and -hmm. it was explained kind of like piece by piece maybe and like with this one they were just kind of time traveling for the sake of time traveling and at no point did i know i was like okay so if they or no not time travel but like creating a new world and i'm like or multi-dimensional travel and I was like okay but does this actually mean that the world is gonna end like that was never really made super clear I think the answer is yes and then I don't know it was just it was just a lot yeah (sighs) okay I do however Sorry, continue. I was just going to say, I do like how this book starts, though. Same as the last one, where it gives a rundown of the characters. Naturally, that's very important to us. Um, so that <laughs> That's was my first of- note as well. <laughs> that was very helpful. Um, I used that. I read that thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, the... The other thing that I really enjoyed about this book was Atlas's backstory. I like that we got that, as well as some of the backstory from the, like, the quote-unquote, the Ezra Six. Um, However, I kind of feel like it was so... I feel like it could have just been all in the beginning of the book. Not necessarily Atlas's backstory, but the Ezra Six's stories. I agree. I feel like it didn't need they were Because mm-hmm. they were constantly coming up in the book, but like sometimes their story wouldn't come through until like three quarters of the way through. Yeah, so you're just reading about a character, you have no idea who it is, and you're like, okay. Hmm. It was a little weird. Also, another thing. Again, this like would probably help with a with a reread of the books, but I'm pretty sure. And this is in the first couple pages, but the explosion that Libby caused in the last book. I'm pretty sure that was. That has to do with Reina somehow. And her family. Because in the because in the beginning, under Libby's and Reina's 
um, little blurbs. It says, see also Wessex Corporation Perfect Fusion Patent, patent May 1990, um, in both of their blurbs. So I'm pretty mm. sure Reyna's shithead, like, stepdad or real dad, I don't know, like, I'm I'm pretty sure it might have happened like at his corporation or he's trying to recreate it or I don't know. Can tell you. I, I did try really hard to understand this book. Like I looked into things. <laughs> I it quite early on, I feel like one sentence gives kind of like a summary of what I thought I was going into um because I made a note I was like this is a fun uh basic summary of the book and then you read it and then it's not quite a summary of the book but it kind of is it's just there can be no end to the hostility until our oaths to the homicidal library have been adequately discharged that's basically what the book is about. Um, mm -hmm. But there's other things going on. Yeah. I don't know. It was... It was weird. Did you have any thoughts about... Because I remember in the last book when there was a blurb that was called The Paradox. And we didn't understand it at all. Yeah. Um, in this book, there's also a little blurb that says the complex as an mm -hmm. antidote about humanity did you have any thoughts about that did you mm, let's see okay um I, I didn't make any notes on it did you oh I just I just put the whole thing as a note oh because <laughs> it's you know basically the I mean again in hindsight this was definitely like the setup to the book in the same way that the paradox in the last book was mm -hmm. um and also, like, in general, I think that the whole point of this book was to realize that the Atlas Six were actually more so the villains. Like, this whole time we were reading and, like, falling in love with these characters, like, but they were essentially a part of this really elitist society who was, like... Hoarding knowledge. Hoarding knowledge and essentially, like, planning on literally destroying the world just for the sake of seeing if they could. Which I didn't understand until I read the acknowledgments. Yeah. I also, I finished the whole book and that's when I texted you and you're like, did you read the acknowledgment? <laughs> and then I did and I was like, oh, that kind of comes together a little. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Hindsight, looking at the definition of the complex it does help um mm -hmm. uh, funny it, there's like bits of text like texting in this book mm -hmm. between uh Callum and Tristan and <laughs> like actually between a few of the characters but specifically between Callum and Tristan <laughs> part of how they text is funny because it makes me think of the way we text sometimes <laughs> Because yeah, I'll just read you two like side by sides. Like, I truly deeply fucking hate you. I know, right? LMAO, same. <laughs> and I'm like, why coffee and not tea? Why is the sky blue? I can't wait to kill you. 
<laughs> I just thought it was funny. I like I like Callum and Tristan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was like a, it gets weird, but I I like how they are. I really like. I mean, I think I've always really liked Callum, even though, like, I think in the first two books, he was portrayed as kind of the villain. But I've always been a fan of his character. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Callum. Yeah. In in addition to like, there's like texting in this book. There's also within this book a book club guide to Atlas Blakely's rise to power. Mm-hmm. Like Full on list of questions right in the middle of the book yes I like that's the thing that I love about like all three of these books like the 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 inserts are both helpful and like funny yeah like I need them um but also they're not like dense Mm -hmm. also the I, did you pick up on the fact that there was like a consistent letter W like symbol coming up throughout most of this book? Nope. Okay. Well, I was disappointed when I found out what that was. Cause like in the very beginning, I put a note beside it. It's like page 30. Um, and it's like, she saw, she saw a symbol or the person saw a symbol and at first thought it was like, like the shape of a bird or something and then it was like oh no it's a letter the letter w and it comes up a couple times turns out the w stands for wessex Mm. which is one of those characters that we didn't find out until like the end but i kind of like i was kind of underwhelmed by it i don't know and i know you didn't pick up on the symbol at all so you're not really gonna have (laughs) anything to add (laughs) but it I kind of wanted it to be something entirely new. or I don't know. Oh my god. Also, another thing that I... Uh, something that happens sometimes in books that I really, really love is when a song is mentioned in a book that I know. And that happens in this book, which was You Send Me by Sam Cooke. It was in one of Parisa's chapters when she was, like, fighting a bunch of people. Uh, and, like, it would just, like, have lyrics from You Send Me, like, kind of scattered throughout... And I, I just, I enjoyed it. I think the, um, like that scene where that was happening, I thought, like, I think it was Parisa's first chapter where she was like being such a badass and like fighting off all the assassins and like, you know, we get a sense like, like, oh shit, she is so fucking powerful. Like, mm-hmm. And I kind of thought that would be more consistently a theme throughout the book. Like, I thought there was going to be more, like, battles or fights or, you know? Yeah, I think, like, it was very the opposite. Like, I feel like there was that. And then it kind of just, like, it shifts. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of, like... And again, maybe, I don't know, I just... I think if there was more of a balance between that and like the science theoretical aspect of it, I would have liked it more. Like I felt like there just needed to be more things to break up the science, the learning, the complexity, mm-hmm. like ju- and just to like, I don't know, especially because this is the last book. I thought it was going to be more action. 
because like i guess they were technically like, oh. like a lot of people die it's true but i thought it would be more like throughout the entire book like that was just the last like maybe eighth of the book did you did you see it coming that atlas was dead and that Libby killed him no meaning I, no <laughs> i was like whoa it as once you find that out i know i just like skipped away ahead but once you find that out everything escalates and like everyone dies <laughs> so many people are dying yes and again i just thought there would be i don't know but like not in a crazy way like a very casual way they're all just like oh they're dead too oh they're dead and you don't really like Usually the chapters, I think with every single death, it would cut right after someone died. So you don't really know if they're dead because it's just like. Or they might be dead in one of the multiverses. I don't know if it's real. Like, I don't know if any of this is real. Maybe it's all like a simulation in the like library still. Like none of this is real. Who knows? But like, I thought... I don't know. I just thought that, like, especially at the end of the last book where it was like, okay, everyone is trying to kill us, including a sentient library. Like, I don't know. I thought there would be more, like, fighting for being alive, not just, like, reading books and, like, searching for knowledge so that they could potentially destroy the world. But also, I don't know. Yeah. It felt... odd <laughs> with a profound sentence okay also i'm not sure if you did this i had a moment like especially i think okay page 89 is where i like really and truly realized that i was too stupid to read this book okay what <laughs> happened on page 89 <laughs> Okay, so page 89 is where I realized how stupid I was, but if we backtrack a little bit to when I think Callum exited the library for the first time and he was about to be attacked by, like, Gideon's mom. Okay. Right? And Gideon's mom is with a bunch of seals. I thought those were, like, literal animal seals. Not army people when you just accept that this is fantasy you're like all right sure but then later in the book when they're like recounting the memory they say navy seal and i was like oh well she's a mermaid too so i was like she's like a water creature, so it kind of actually makes sense that they would be seals. Like, actual yeah. seals. I was like, this is a magical world where a library wants to kill its students, and one of my favorite characters' moms is a mermaid. Sure, seals can talk and have guns. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely, I accept that. <laughs> I also will say that a thing that I do like as a computer science major is um 
there was a lot of little like bits where they were like describing the concept of time travel or multi-dimensional travel as like a computer algorithm it just i liked it it, it just i was like i kind of get that yeah see as someone who does not do computer science it was an unhelpful analogy <laughs> And I guess, I'm sorry, I feel like this is going to be a lot of me talking because I took like a million notes of this book. How many do you you have a lot? Not a million, no. Okay. But just for the sake of mentioning it, I did like that we got new or more new perspectives from certain characters, like Dalton and Gideon specifically. And obviously Atlas from like his, his past don't know if I really needed the six but I I or the Ezra six but I guess again in hindsight it's important because I think we were supposed to understand their motivations as being somewhat good for some of them yeah I think the for me what I was getting um, (laughs) was the point of the book was like right and wrong and what you think is right and wrong and like your morals and ethics are perspective based yeah like what you were saying in the previous books we thought the characters were the good guys and I think having the other six and then realizing oh maybe they are the bad guys Mm -hmm. was like they're but also who knows I did as much as Lib- Libby, I don't know, because I feel like I liked Libby's character always, like especially in the last two books, but I found it very interesting, her character development in this book. I wasn't really sure how I felt about it, because she-, she was definitely the character that changed the, the most. most, and she she was definitely the character that became the most villainous. From having such like a high moral ground. Yeah. And I I like that they give you like background on it. Like comparing Mm -hmm. it to her like original character. They're like these weren't good qualities. These were actually like that was helpful for me. (laughs) I needed to compare. (laughs) I'm like okay I get that. We do need help. Yeah. Livia wild though. Hmm? Libby oh, yeah. wild. Yeah, she was unhinged in this book. Yeah, I feel like it's not it's not that I was disinterested in what I was reading. But I just like didn't understand the separate storylines, I don't think. Like I didn't understand where they were coming from, what they were doing to like collectively I don't know not be killed it just didn't make sense like mentally for me um so it was mainly Libby's plot that I was following and like really interested in so Mm -hmm. I feel like it was like Libby's monologue for me of like when they're about to create the universe and then don't create the universe I think that's my favorite part of the book when she like is I don't know how many pages, but it's just like a straight on monologue of Libby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I kind of understood. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
And that was very deep into the book. Yeah. And then I was like, do I get this? Yeah, I think for me it was Libby's character development just because it was in my opinion like the most interesting and also Reina's and Callum's together they were fun together they were fun and I liked that the god complex stayed because I found it funny like I liked that that like Reina kept that and Callum was being like oh you and your god complex and she was like it's not a god complex but it's like it's definitely a god complex if you think you're a literal god um and so I liked their band for me I think them two were the most enjoyable throughout like the whole book whereas like with Libby maybe like halfway once I realized that she had like fallen off the rails that's when she got interesting I didn't care too much for Parisa, which is the first time I've really said that, I think, this whole series. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really love the Dalton Parisa like pairing. Mm-hmm. It's just not as interesting for me. Um, Especially because Parisa started so strong in this book. Yeah. So she also does have like uh, like basically a downward spiral and kind of um accepts it a little (laughs) but yeah I feel like Parisa for me was not in my like top plot no I feel like for the last few books we loved her Mm -hmm. and ironically same with Nico and Gideon a little bit in this book they were were good they were yeah they were good and they were cute but they just didn't like grab my attention as much as other plot lines and characters yeah i feel like nico was just kind of more of like a side character and gideon was also kind of more of a side character but like specifically in this book they felt like not as integral yeah but i feel like even in the past they've always been like kind of the comic relief you know what i mean like there was always that kind of lightheartedness with them but especially Gideon in this book, like, it was hard to read from his perspective. Because he, he definitely still had his, like, one-liners and his quips and whatever. Mm-hmm. But because he was so apprehensive, like, about Libby, like, he always knew. He always had a sense. Mm-hmm. And he was also apprehensive about the library. It would have been nice for him to like explain his motivations for that before the very very end when Libby is literally about to kill Nico and he just says no yeah and you're like okay so and also it's frustrating because maybe if Gideon had told Nico these things but then also is Nico dead he was alive later in the book no he was with Gideon and then Gideon's like how is this real and then he's like just that was when Gideon was asleep yeah but in his like mental world because you know how they meet in their mental worlds so I thought it was like not like a dream but like a a version of Nico because Gideon doesn't dream dream he like goes places you know yes but I think Nico in real life not in their fake world 
is dead. But like, dead. can he be in the fake world if he's dead? Because like my understanding of how that dreamland worked is they would both be asleep and they would meet. You know, I didn't think it was like Gideon actually sleeping and dreaming this up. Because he would like go. Well, maybe his like. Is like consciousness or whatever. Maybe the library like trapped that because I think isn't that the thing? The library like, like feeds on the sacrifice. Soul? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think his like physical body is gone. But he's is gone. still technically alive in a sense. I don't know. In like Gideon's world, <laughs> this is. I hate this. <laughs> Like, this is why it was hard. You know what? I bet. Because, like, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like I kind of sort of understand. I bet you anything, if I were to, like, which I probably will in the future, because I did really like this series. And a part of me really wants to understand this last book better, more. But I think the rating will go up. Now that I've one read the acknowledgments and the more that I talk to you about it and the more we like slowly He's bounce together. our one brain cell back and forth. <laughs> That's the problem. We needed to share the brain cell and we did not. <laughs> but another thing that I just thought of was remember how Dalton was saying that he doesn't need Nico's body. He just needs his mind. What if Nico in Gideon's dream was actually supposed to be ominous? Because that might mean Dalton was able to take Nico's consciousness. Oh, maybe he was. Who knows? <laughs> but then also, like, they were saying that the library can animate them like bring them back to life we know how libby was like the library can do it so who knows i don't know what happened nico not us was breathing and kind of like a person was he real i don't know was he a figment of gideon's imagination maybe did dalton make him i don't know <laughs> something happened I can't tell. That's the thing, too. People start dying in this book, and I have no idea if they're dead. Um, uh, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know if they're dead. So, I mean, this is actually way later on, so you can go first. Okay. Okay, another, just one thing that I didn't necessarily love about this book is, remember when Gideon was kind of, like, he was, like, in the library of alexandria for the first time or whatever and he's like yeah you guys have like employees and like chefs and stuff like that and nico was just like really disappointed because it made the library seem less like mystical and magical yeah i agree with nico <laughs> yeah it made it seem just like a library and it made me like a little upset i was very on the same page as nico when he was finding this stuff out because I was just like, well, I didn't, I didn't, as the reader, need to know that. But I guess I'm sure that there was a reason that Olivia Blake put it in there. But I just. Probably something about, like, I think that adds to the fact that, like, 
they were not the good guys. They didn't care about other people because they were the elite. So they were like just disregarded other people that lived in the home that they lived in. I feel like that kind of tracks. You know what? That does kind of track. Again, after reading the acknowledgement. The small brain is working hard right now. <laughs> also, there was a point in this book. Libby, like when Libby and Parisa meet up, right? And I go for like a coffee or something. Also, the, the beef that these like her and Reyna have with Parisa for just like being really beautiful. I, I, I've never enjoyed that plot line. I mean, I guess it's not just that she's beautiful, it's that she's like beautiful, intelligent, and like witty, and like she has all of these things, but like they don't feel beautiful, and like so they hate her for it because you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. But at one point, Libby refers to Reyna as a battery or a crutch because she's like i don't need a battery i did this all by myself in the yeah. past Bleh. um and then it just says parisa's dark eyes narrowed that's not what reina is and then i don't think i got an explanation for that so i was just wondering if you got an explanation for that nope okay cool i was really hoping i'm sure it's i'm sure it's in there somewhere <laughs> but i i didn't, I didn't make a note it. of it well, oh my God! There's a <laughs> there's a there's a line that made me rem that reminded me of you in this book. Okay, <laughs> and it was also from Atlas's perspective, um, but it's when Atlas, like Libby's in the library, and she wants to do the ritual that they did at the end maybe or at some point in the last book which again I forgot about and didn't remember that that had happened took me a while to remember and figure out what Libby was trying to do it also took me a second and then I was like what do you mean you're not initiated and I was like oh yeah you were kidnapped <laughs> It took, I did read, I read that part slowly. I was like, why? But yeah. But basically she gets a hold of Atlas's notes about the ritual. um, And it says, like, it says it starts in the middle of the sentence. So this is the line that made me think of you. Purpose of the ritual not technically known but guessable by certain nuanced intellectuals. And then in brackets it said, me. <laughs> me just being annoying. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. And I also kind of thought that her initiation or whatever i also found it underwhelming but i also like she lost so i thought that there was gonna be some sort of repercussion i thought she was gonna die because she lost the ritual 
Yeah, I didn't, I also didn't understand the consequence of that. And you know what, maybe it's there. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm at the, the Atlas Book Club. Okay, yeah. I I liked I think this point it's halfway through the book again I can see it like physically because I have yeah. my physical copy I bet you anything that this is where we were supposed to question the motives of the Alexandrians or of the Atlas Six I bet you anything that this is where it was supposed to be because like in theory. In this book club blurb, we're supposed to be que questioning Atlas's motives. And obviously, he's the one who chose the six. And they are, for the most part, loyal to him and carrying on his research. Like, very specifically, his research. Like, they're doing the thing that he wanted to do. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't get that. And it's it's even funnier because specifically some of the questions in like eight and nine is do you think atlas blakely is a bad person do you think the fact that atlas blakely is definitely a bad person <laughs> means that he should suffer <laughs> so like it was a little bit spelled out <laughs> fucking christ Uh, oh god we are really stupid I feel maybe I should rate this higher just off of like an objective <laughs> it, it is better than my rating it just personally I battled yeah but yeah I do I do like the way these questions are phrased like throughout there's like 17 of them it's like it tells a story, but it also tells you what you're supposed to know, but also <laughs> all in the form of questions, which is impressive. And we grasped none of that. I mean, I think we've said it before. Um, for every episode that we have done off of a book that Olivia Blake has wrote I think we consistently say that Olivia Blake is too smart for us and that was really yeah you know what I'm like I'm now reading number 13 mm -hmm. uh, where it's like when Atlas Blakely opens the house's wards to allow Ezra final entry he does so on the gamble that Ezra was morally opposed to killing and allied with several people with arguably more detestable motives than atlas can be persuaded back to atlas's side so i feel like that also lays the groundwork quite clearly of like who is who and what is happening Yeah, it seems like Ezra was kind of the good guy. Turns out, well, I guess 
Well, maybe not the good guy, but he just the he was better. Are there any good guys? I don't know. What's real? Like, Libby set off an entire nuclear bomb, so she's definitely not the good guy, and technically Ezra was trying to stop her from doing that. Because it was already going to happen, but maybe it wasn't already going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Not us. Clearly. And then, although, question 14, although Atlas has no way of knowing that Libby Rhodes will overhear Ezra admitting that logically he has no choice but to kill her now, Atlas's provocation in that moment is consistent with the petty bullying of Ezra that has worsened over the course of 20 miserable secretive years. Objectively speaking, Atlas believed that Libby would return. Wait, what? He could have predicted then that her return could have happened at any moment including that one I don't get it like I do but I don't because then yeah because then that ends with while Atlas cannot have known with certainty that he created the circumstances leading to Ezra's murder he cannot have reasonably ruled it out and then the way the question is phrased at the end is does this mean his actions definitely killed Ezra, bringing his murders up to five? I feel like having definitely in there. And it says bringing his murders up to five, which means he's already murdered four. Well, because he like murdered the rest of his cohort. When he only needed to murder one. Well, they didn't. Did he murder all of them or were they dying of natural causes because they didn't murder someone? And they didn't realize until it was too late. And then he killed Ezra. I thought Ezra was kind of like a... Like they didn't sacrifice someone. So they, they were They dying. thought that they... Yeah. But I guess... You're a lawyer. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. <laughs> you will be soon. But isn't there like a, like a negligence thing in law? Where it's like if you... Like, because they died because of Atlas's actions, like, directly. Yeah, yeah, no. He's, like, still to blame for their deaths, but not direct, like, not, like, yeah. he didn't go out and, like, stab him as well. Yeah. <laughs> also, how many lives has Atlas destroyed in pursuit of power? If more than one, and it's definitely more than one, does that make him a worse person than his father? Does it make him worse than Ezra? And at this point, neither of us were like, maybe he's not a good person. <laughs> oh my god. Ooh. Well. We don't. We are so stupid. Anyways, we're, I want to move past this and maybe get to maybe get to something that I, I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, also, Dalton's texts from Parisa's phone to everyone else was so cryptic. Even though it was just like one sentence with a smiley face. It was scary. It, it, it was scary because it kept happening also. 
Yeah. Because there was a repetition. And also because, like, at this point, we kind of knew that Dalton's motivations weren't good. Yeah. I'm also confused about the relationship between Dalton and Atlas. Because Dalton wasn't a part of the six. He just worked for the library. Was he ever a, a six? Did I miss that? No, he wasn't a member of the six. I think Atlas wanted maybe Dalton wanted in and then he was too powerful and then I don't know it's somewhere in there yeah <laughs> read the book we can't tell you what happened <laughs> oh my god and I also just realized the um the song thing that I mentioned earlier it actually happened twice in this book um where Nico's singing Mr. Sandman bring me a dream make him the dumbest that I've ever seen Mr. Mm-hmm. I just it, something about that just like makes it more immersive in a sense you know I get it I I do like that we got a little bit of Libby and Nico like not not really the old version of them but like a version of them that I think I wanted in the first two books or like part of the second one I think the same part I think yeah when they're talking about like all the other universes and then like hypothetically do they think it's supposed to be them that's like together um and then Nico's like yes I like love it but also Libby's evil but also, Nico's not a good person because he's a oh god. But then, hear me out. Going from that to Libby, then like very quickly murdering him. Um, shock. Yeah, that was. I do like that Nico still essentially chose Gideon at the end of all of that. At the end of that, yeah, sexual tension conversation. It was like it. It not a now thing. Like. Mm-hmm. he was not the fix for how Libby was feeling yeah and she killed him too bad <laughs> could have been the fix god there's there's one I think specific- that was no oh, you can go I was just gonna say I think that was like one of the points where I I don't know as much as I liked the vibe of that moment I, I I think it was one of the first times that I thought I was like, oh, Libby's kind of being a snake right now. Because I feel like you just don't do that shit, you know? Not with Gideon and uh, Tristan. Yeah, right? Like, it's not like, like they were both in, albeit complicated relationships, but relationships nonetheless complex you might say I might say that anyway sorry do what you were saying I honestly don't know what I was gonna say um, okay <laughs> we're good cool uh, oh my god I do remember what I was gonna say <laughs> um when Libby killed Nico and then obviously Gideon was mad about it <laughs> and then Libby's like 
Uh, you weren't the only one who loved him. You're not the only one who lost him. Don't be selfish, Gideon. I was like, whoa. At that point, I was like, so it turns out he's a bad person. <laughs> who says that after killing someone? Yeah, that's unhinged behavior. Crazy. If 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 someone like if I watched someone kill you and then they tried to be like, oh, I lost her too. Oh, I would be throwing hands. I think Gideon dealt with that very well. Like it's just an insane thing to say. But yeah, uh, Nico's death is when I started to confuse, confuse cry. Yeah, because you're like, is what is happening? Because basically, like, like what happens is, I'll just, I don't know, I'll just, it's a long kind of bit, but I'm just gonna read it. I might cut out bits of it. Yeah, go for but it. it for a moment, Nico felt weightless and it's insubstantial, suspended in nothing. He felt the motion of his chest cease, the air in his lungs contracting, a loss of feelings in his arms and legs, his feet, his hands, all but the knowledge, the counterbalancing thought of Libby's presence felt fell away. Power overwhelmed him like rapture, suffocation, aneurysm, embolism, and seizure all at once. A thud of his heart and then nothing. Nothing, and then, and then. And I was like, and then what? Because <laughs> that's when the chapter ends. And then that's it. And I was like, and then he's actually alive and well and happy. Because Nico was one of my favorite characters always. Because he was just such a pure soul, you know? That's why I assumed he was alive when Gideon saw him. I was like, good. <laughs> Moving past that. <laughs> Nico's chapter. I'm not sure if maybe. Hmm. What? Is this just Nico's consciousness? What? This was after he died, but Nico has a chapter after he dies. So maybe it's again his soul in the library. But he basically has this whole monologue that starts with, like, what does it mean to be a soulmate, to know someone in every world and every universe, to slip effortlessly between where they ended and you began. There's a lot more. And then at the end, it says he he hoped Gideon would understand. Do you kind of remember that? Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I also, I definitely, um, uh, yeah, I also don't know. I think I, I sticky noted that hoping for answers from you. Apologies. That was not going to happen in this book. I just, yeah, Gideon mourning Nico for like the, the couple chapters leading up to like what goes down between Tristan and Callum was really heartbreaking for me because like there was a lot of G Gideon being like oh like 
neither one of us knew what I was, but that never mattered to him. Like, ah, just. It was, it was just, it was sad and it was cute. And then I was confused because I'm like, are you dead or alive? <laughs> so much but, at this, but at this point, I didn't think that there was even an option for life. Like, I just assumed he was dead. It wasn't until Gideon's dream where I was like, wait, is he alive? Mm, fair. But also, I think this is, like, one of my last things before Tristan and blah, blah, blah. Um, The scene with Parisa Dalton and Gideon, they're back in the dream world with the castle. Yep. What were your thoughts, vibes, and opinions on that? There was a lot happening. Mm-hmm. My understanding was that Parisa was going to die. Yeah. And she was okay with it. And that was some character growth. But then Callum ends up stabbing Dalton to take him out of the I don't really know. Like did they just well, leave Gideon him? pulled ended up pulling Parisa out. Yeah, Parisa was safe and with then, Dalton though. But then who why so was the stabbing just like a fun side note? Maybe it was supposed to just show something about Gideon because I remember they were like it was like he can't save Parisa without also saving Dalton, and so she was like, "Leave me here." Yeah, and and then he didn't. But I guess did did Dalton? What? I don't think he died. I think he just got stabbed. Okay. Or but no, because then it says with a gaping wound where his heart should have been. Yeah, so he must be dead. Yeah, because then Callum says, kill my boyfriend. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so that means at the very least, he doesn't have Nico's consciousness at the end of the book. Yes, it was with Nico alive. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't think so. I just, I think that would be too nice. That would be too that would be too 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 what we want, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts when it was like the start of this thing that happened with Tristan and Callum. Which makes me so sad because obviously like before we even like get to the possibility of having this, obviously Callum dies question mark <laughs> like no, um, obviously question mark <laughs> but 
It just says Callum felt his heartbeat counting the miles of proximity, ticking in his chest like a clock. He wouldn't kill Tristan with a knife. He'd kill him with such cherishing. And I really, I I shouldn't have thought it this close to the end of the book, but I really thought it was going to work out between them. <laughs> I wanted it to work out. But then it gets, it like just, basically he walks into the room and then his neck gets snapped. And I was like, what? And it was then, so fast. It was like immediate. And then so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, Callum just died. But then that little section of the chapter go, it ends with end scenario one and then says begin scenario two. And then it goes. Actually, to- no, that's not the same chapter. That's, that a, that's chapter? a different chapter. Yeah, it, oh it cuts with Callum snapping his neck. And then there's a couple other chapters. Mine doesn't do that. Maybe it retells it, but where is it? It's in the Tristan section of the Ezra 6, 4, Seth. Okay, well, because in Callum's chapter where he is thinking the line that I just said, it end that chapter from Callum's perspective ends with his, oh, ne- with his next snap. now. Okay. Yeah. I guess I just noted it way earlier. You mean later? Yep. (laughs) But no, I don't think that this... I don't know. I think that this whole thing is just Tristan overthinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tristan... I think Tristan just analyzing the situation. Yeah. But it doesn't but it... read like that. It goes, he's dead. Oh, let's read a little bit more. And then Tristan. And then it's Tristan version, Tristan's version of Callum's neck being snapped. So you're like, okay, yes. I get it. He's dead. And it says end scenario one. And you're like, what do you mean? Scenario <laughs> one. <laughs> And then it's scenario And then it gives you hope that maybe Tristan is thinking of all of this before Callum's decks get snapped. So you're like, oh, maybe Callum will live. Yeah. It turns out it's not like that. It's actually different versions of death. Yeah, it's Tristan. Well, no, some of them they live. Yeah, some of them are very good. Some of them are very good. Some of them are very mid. Some of them are very bad. But you find out that it's, like, Tristan just thinking of all of the possibilities that could have happened had he, like, done other things. But the other thing that was... (laughs) Like, I spent a good... I want to say at least a good five minutes, because... Like like you said, it says, end scenario one, begin scenario two, right? Then it begins scenario two, it's, like, a couple paragraphs... And then it goes, scenario five. And I was like, I beg your pardon? I also did that. I was like, did I miss it? And then it, and then it like skips way more. And I was like, okay, so this is a theme. Um, so Tristan analyzes a lot. I mean, we already knew that, but we never got into his head like this, which I kind of appreciate. Like, I, I really liked it. 
I really, really liked it when I figured out what was happening. I'm just going to go ahead and like pick one of the scenarios that I liked and assume that's the one that happened and ignore the rest. Right? But no, I I think this is, unfortunately, this is a book that I think if I reread, I would like it a lot better. Because again, like knowing, especially the series as a whole, knowing like this is how Tristan thinks. But I like that Olivia Blake like saved this kind of like format for the very end. Yeah. Because then, like, then it caught us by surprise. We're like... <laughs> very confused. This is another um, situation where I was confusing, confused crying. I like that uh, Bellin came back. Me too. I was waiting for that. I was like, something has to happen with this. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think Callum's first thought was when he found out that Atlas was dead? I was wondering that too. I don't know. <laughs> Because it, it was like, it, it, because Parisa was like, oh, it showed, it, this shows how much you've changed. But I, like, his, his thought was, that's it. And I was like, I don't know if, I don't know if that shows how much he's changed. I think if he was like, oh, I'm so sad, that would be like very different of Callum, you know? <laughs> But I feel like him being underwhelmed by very dramatic things is very on-brand for Cand- Cand- Callum. Am I wrong? No. Probably. Nope. We don't get an answer, right? Like, not like... We do. Not... It's just good? It's that's it. Question mark. That's That was what he thought. But that's all we get. Yeah, that's what he that's what he thought when he found out that Atlas was dead. Was that's it? Oh. We did get an answer. <laughs> I thought it doesn't feel like an answer to me. I feel like it need because it was like a thing, you know? They were like, what was your first thought? What was it though? Okay. That's yeah, it. it seemed it seemed underwhelming, but like we did get an answer. That is that is what he thought. No, oh, that does seem on brand for Callum. Let's yeah, <laughs> that doesn't seem very far off. It it also doesn't seem to need repeating. Like, oh, what was your first? <laughs> also, we are stupid. Tristan definitely didn't um, end his life. Because he attacks James Wessex oh. and kills him. You're right. Forgot makes... Yeah. Was that just a scenario or is that like a real part? It's a it's a whole second it's a whole different chapter later on in the book. Oh. The Ezra Six perspective it's from james's perspective Mm. and he sees tristan like walking down the hallway and just like 
being incredibly powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Security cameras. And then in the end, Tristan kills James Wessex. So then is Tristan a good guy? Don't ask me that. I feel like he is. Because I know that the Wessex Corporation is not good. Maybe they are good. Because they... You know what? Never mind. I don't want to go down that road. I don't Thank know. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <sighs> you. Okay. I will say the last chapter that's like before the chapter that says end, I believe it is. Hold on. I can't pronounce the name, but it's it's the last perspective from the Ezra Six. It was Nothaz, Nothazai. Okay. Very prevalent throughout this entire story, right? Like he's constantly mentioned mm-hmm. from everyone. And his chapter was quite long. <laughs> yep. And I again, I think it was supposed to like wrap up the story in a way that we're like, oh, the Atlas Six are like privileged and hoarding knowledge and not all that good. But it was so long and drawn out. And also his perspective coming dead last just didn't have the impact that I think it was supposed to. Yeah. I'm so unsure at that point what even was real. So Yeah. I'm literally on the last, like... Chapter? Two pages. Okay, see, the the issue for me, I was like, okay, I get it. Everyone's dying. I'm fine. They didn't make the world. And then when it, the ending where it's like talking to the reader, it's like, do you understand? Are you listening? <laughs> I have the exact same. And I was like, no, I don't understand. And then it's like someone talking to Libby. Or maybe I'm Libby. I don't know at this point. Anything. That's what I was. <laughs> and then it and then it's like, put the book away, Miss Rhodes. You won't find what you're looking for in there. And then after reading that sentence, because that's how the book ends, I was like, was this whole thing a book from the society? Is none of this real? I don't know. I don't know who's alive or who's dead. I don't know who's good and who's bad. I think that's the point. I think no one's alive or dead and no one's good or bad. But like, And I this- think we are supposed to be Libby. I don't know. But was this a book? (laughs) That came out weird. It was a book. I meant like, are we Libby? Did we take a book out of the library and this is the book? That's what I mean. Like, I think, I think it's, I think it's saying that like, we are Libby and we will not find answers to like what is good or bad or alive slash dead or universe slash not universe 
in this book. Okay. See, the way I read it, because you know how Libby was looking for answers for her sister? Mm -hmm. And it was like, that comes up also kind of towards the end. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, could could I have saved her? And then I was like, am I, do you understand? Are you listening? Put the book away, Miss Rhodes. And I was like, is this the book that she tried to get to find out if there was answers for, I don't know. I went on a little spiral after reading. I did. I was... (laughs) I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and then he told me to read the acknowledgments, and it made me feel a little bit better. I agree. I, I also, I, I do like that Lib- Olivia Blake put a related reading in the back. Maybe I'll read some of these books. And then I'll reread the Atlas trilogy. <laughs> oh, I know these books are going to be so hard to read. <laughs> oh my god. Alrighty. Anywho. That's all I got for you. With the exception of like a pretty hefty list of favorite ca- favorite quotes. And um, honestly... I don't know if I can tell you who my favorite character is. Nope. Maybe go. Callum, actually. I, I think I'm sticking with my guns with Callum. I like Callum. I always I, have. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Any favorite quotes for you? There's a lot of... It is a very quotable book. Um, classic Olivia Blake. Okay, wait. How many do you have? have one. Okay, let's see. One, two, three. Four. Four. Well, I have like eight. Okay. I'll read two and then you read one. <laughs> okay, fair. I'll do it like that. <laughs> Um, one of them, short but sweet, but it said, I don't want to die. I just want to be left alone. <laughs> I just, I enjoyed that. Um, and then this one is from Callum, but, uh, how many God complexes does it take to change a light bulb? Okay. My first two are lighthearted and sweet. <laughs> Mine is... Life has the capacity to be very long, and all the worst things are pretty much inevitable. So you might as well rob a bank. I like that. This is where my, this is where like the quotes start to get a little existential, and okay, confusing but also profound. Um, magic is not the same thing as clarity. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. That is the duality of man, in a way. A person can see everything and nothing all at once. And then... Another one. This is the problem with knowledge. It's inexhaustible craving. The madness inherent in knowing that there is only more to know. Alright. Another one of mine. Uh, 
reading the mind of a person you cannot change is as powerless as time traveling to an ending you can't rewrite. Mm -hmm. Another one, a man who did not want to listen to the voice of reason, and then in brackets, or a woman, <laughs> was a man cursed to deafness, to blindness, though unfortunately never to silence. Mm. Another one. <laughs> Just because it's futile doesn't mean it's not worth a try. Life is futile. By definition, its only outcome is failure. Invariably, it ends. Does that make it less worthwhile? I like it. Um, you are a man hiding a lifetime's worth of envy behind a shield of performative morality. But luckily for you, I have neither the time nor the interest to judge the quality of your personal ethics. This one was from Callum when he was being all lovey-dovey lovey and mushy over Tristan. Um, but he would have to say as unpathetically as possible, you don't have to choose me, just know that it won't stop me from choosing you. Uh. <laughs> and then power was still in the eye of the Power is in the eye of the beholder. Power did nothing to soften a grave. It also did nothing to keep a promise. And that's it for me. All right, my last one is that becoming mortal enemies is unfortunately one of the plausible strands of outcomes of loving and being loved this way. What a... We didn't overlap at all. Crazy. Crazy. I feel like we never do. I feel like we did the same thing um, with the Atlas Paradox. There was no overlap there. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Back what a book. Christ. <laughs> I'm exhausted just from talking about it. Like, I remember, like, you. sometimes when I read before bed, I'm nervous that I'm just going to be awake for hours on end. I did not have that problem with this book. <laughs> No, I was like, <laughs> at times I felt like I was reading a textbook. Like I was thinking so hard. I was like, what is happening? Um, yeah, I'm sad the series is over though. Um, Same. But luckily I have no idea who's dead or alive. So cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sad the series is done too, but might be worth a reread in the future someday. I think I think this is one that I'm going to want to pick up again. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's all I got for you, man. My brain hurts even just talking about the points, let alone like... Oh, I know. That was really hard. <laughs> I'm assuming our next book will not be as, like, challenging in the way that this book was challenging. Mm -hmm. It might be challenging in the way that I'm furious, but <laughs> I'm unsure. Well, technically, the next episode that comes out is going to be Crescent City. Yeah. After this one. I've already... St I'm, I'm reading the last book in The Hunger Games right now, and then I'm going to read Fahrenheit 451. Because that comes out after Crescent City 3. And then after that, it's the Ballad of yeah, yeah. Birds and Snakes. I so. also, I started reading Fahrenheit 451 too. 
I haven't started yet, but I will start it. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, we can't read Crescent City. It's not up. Mm-hmm. See, seasons are such a good system for us. Watch us fall behind. <laughs> Don't get too confident. <laughs> this is this is January. This is when we're, like, coasting. True. But, I mean, we already have, like, a lot in the bank, kind of. I guess it's only two books. Not that many of the bank. Before we forget, um, if you want to follow us on social media. Actually. Okay. <laughs> actually don't. Actually don't, because I don't have access to our social media right now. <laughs> well, you can follow us, just don't, we're not going to do anything about it. That's true. But like, I might just make a new Instagram account. <laughs> okay. So just hold off on following us on Instagram for now. Well, bookbabbies at gmail.com if you want to, you know, email us. Anywho, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, I guess. We'll keep you updated on the Instagram situation. That should have been my reason for drinking. I should have said that up top. Our Instagram. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.